Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome everyone, my name is Vaughn Hyde. I'm the host of IndiePod, an indie games podcast. With the help of my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average Josh Boys, we bring you all the indie games news you need to know, as well as shouting out some amazing indie games over on crowdfunding sites and occasionally derailing to a conversation about big anime chesticles. We are so happy to be part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network alongside so many other awesome gaming podcasts. So if you love indie games, make sure to listen in each and every Friday. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Yeah, yeah. They call me when ninja people attack the street. My president's black and y'all gon' give him back to me. I spend half the week training and doing tournaments. I spar with gangbangers with janky shurikens. Yeah. It's too late now if you got a chances, bro. Your hands is low, gotta hail an ambulance to go. Direct hit over glance and blow. A scrape knee paid me, not the ransom note. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another episode of Arcast Mini. This is Ar- Arcast Mini number 40, and I am here with a very special guest, uh, the game designer for Treachery and Beatdown City, Sean Alexander Allens. How's it going there, Sean? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Not bad. All things considered with the world burning around us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Sometimes I forget because there's just so much to do. Then, you know, I don't I don't go out except every two weeks to go to groceries. So then it's like... <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh... Um, so there is your game, Treachery and Beatdown City, as I mentioned before, and I just wanted to kind of like start off actually with what were some of the old school games that directly influenced you and Treachery and Beatdown City? That's always a, I don't know, kind of a layered question just because like I didn't have video games at home until I was about four, 13, 14. I guess I got a Game Boy when I was 12, and then I got a Super Nintendo when I was 13. I got a Nintendo from a friend like when I was 14. I paid him like 30 bucks because it was old, and it was a nice, clean Nintendo. I just really wanted to, I had always wanted to own a Nintendo. Couldn't really afford it back when they were, you know, a new thing. I went to friends' houses, and I basically, you know, played the things that they had, and had this small group uh, in elementary school, and they were really into, like, martial arts and stuff, so we played a lot of uh, Bad Dudes and dragon and so those games being uh very new york mm, yep yeah bad dudes is in new york like there's actual like the time life building and stuff like that you can see them in the background and bad dudes is based in this reality because ronald reagan gets kidnapped uh so <laughs> like the idea of like a fairly real representation and then they i guess on the nintendo they end up calling him ronnie and i didn't know anything about this as a kid i didn't know who the president was when i was eight but, like, I really loved, like, the dudes in baggy clothes, fighting ninjas, picking up coke on the ground or, or like, nunchucks or whatever, and just fighting on top of trucks and with, like, just amazing music. It was probably, like, it was just the kind of overall aesthetics that I really loved about Bad Dudes because, you know, in the end, as I've played it more and more and more over the years... The game's not that good. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's better than two crude dudes, though. I booted that up recently. Just I was like, because it's now on Switch and all sorts of other platforms. And I'm like, 
what who 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 saw bad dudes and was like, let's make games slower and worse. It's got right. a lot of great ideas, <laughs> lifting everything up. That's awesome. But if the game if the game played well, it'd be great. But it's just so slow. I mean, it seems like a lot of those like sequels back then anyway were like trying to basically just try something different, just so they're not just uh, you know absolutely copying what they did before, just for the sake of making something different for for the sequel. Um, and I guess in this particular case, just didn't work out, but I wasn't really like a big fan of bad dudes, but I did appreciate anyway, like what it did and how it looked. And cause like, th- that was like one of the first games that I can recall, like where like the sprites were noticeably bigger than like other sprites in other games, you know? Yeah. So bad dudes was New York and like the ninja stuff was cool, but it was like the main characters that we really liked, but Double Dragon just felt like New York because of acclimatations and everything. They would palette swap out enemies to be like lighter or darker skin tones. So it just felt like a lot of characters. And uh, so, you know, like living in a very ethnically diverse, uh, like mm. Lower East Side of Manhattan, it felt very interesting because like my friends would kind of input in print on those characters. Like I very specifically remember because like the first Abobo you fight is a brown guy wearing blue shorts. But later on in the game, you fight two lighter skinned Abobos in yellow shorts. I remember my friend like, you know, we were eight or nine or seven. I don't know him just saying those are the Puerto Rican Abobos. <laughs> and it's like you know it's you know yellow is the color of the lion kings and uh you know it felt like very right as a child right like because you were like you you get trained like this as a kid like you start like you know you know people in different areas you know where you can go where you can't go who you're cool with who you're not cool with mm. and my friends were a very strange group of that specific group we were all biracial kids who had one of our our parents in our life I had my white mom, a friend who made those remarks, had his black dad and his dad was it's funny because all of our parents were the ones who imprinted that on on us. Like, you know, like my mom would be like the Puerto Ricans. His dad would be like the Puerto Ricans. (laughs) You know, it's like you'd learn all this from your parents, essentially. Then our other friend had his his black mom. It was kind of like we had these very different upbringings. Uh, although and we were very different people but we just ended up being friends we all ended up kind of getting sat in the back of a class together i remember you know in the liberal bastion of new york being sat with the other biracial kids because the class was actually like segmented by like race and ethnicity it was really weird we had a very really racist white lady teacher (laughs) divided the class that way it was weird white and asian kids were in the front black kids in the back uh let's you know, kids and us, we were all in the back. It was very strange. So it was segregated by the teacher herself in that case, yeah? Yeah, because I'm like, my last name is Alan. I should be up front. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. That was just a very strange thing. And again, that's like the way we were raised. And so that's why Double Dragon felt like they were building a city. And I also just really love the aesthetic quality of Double Dragon. You go to into a cave and you walk out of it and there's like purple skies with purple mountains in the background and... Mm-hmm. just the like the colors were so vibrant in that game they really like didn't you know some nintendo games were very like muted in their tones you had to choose what you were going to do like did you add a lot of black into your backgrounds and then make your main characters like bright colors or whatever if you can definitely look at these different styles for like ninja gaiden or like ninja turtles or double dragon bad dudes like bad dudes and double dragon look very different like on nintendo basically like Everyone has like white skin actually because they just didn't color them in. Mm-hmm. Basically, have because they could only have like three colors or whatever, so they had like this beige, white, and black. 
It's just what the main characters look like. Ninjas were all blue and red. For us, like the, you know, and the fact that Double Dragon was kind of like the single player RPG, the way that the Nintendo version was. Like, I, I never actually played the, the arcade one as a kid. I only played the one where you can level up by attacking a specific way. Right. And so yeah. I really like the idea of being a fighting game by myself. I could gain levels because I always like to play in the fun way in beat em ups. I don't like to play in the dominant tactics way where, you know, you, you know that the back elbow is the thing that will beat the last boss. I'm the one who jump kicks at people when I know it's not safe because I just want to have fun. Right. Right. <laughs> and so I wanted to make a game that had this progression would let you play in a fun way. I think the Ninja Turtles games let you play in a more fun manner. Hmm. And also just feels like you're living in a city like, Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo, all of those games. I like one, two, and three. Because, like, again, the Nintendo ones I could play, the arcade ones you'd have to look for, and then I never had a quarter to play generally. So, seeing them at my friends' houses was how I got to do it. So, building a city that was like this stark dystopia where you could play in a fun manner and in progression are all like these ideas from those games and like aesthetic qualities. Like, you know, we don't want it. Our game is not like the, any of these games. Really. It's like a lot of games simultaneous. So like as far as like playing the game in a fun way, as you said before, by that, do you mean like as far as giving people options to play the way that they want to play? You know, just allowing them to basically no matter which uh, strategy that they wish to go with, it's still like a valid strategy in order to actually progress in the game. That's pretty much it. Like, you know, we have three main characters that have their strengths and weaknesses against enemies, but basically can figure out a way to beat the enemy with any character um it just might be a little more difficult but you know it allows you to play like you know you get to play way you want to because you get to basically build your combos nothing's preset out for you mm-hmm. and then we also actually still when you walk through the map and you go into different fights we do actually cycle you through all the players again so that you never forget that those people are with you and so then you still have to learn how to play those characters because uh, I think it's really important that, like, you know, we really worked hard on character differentiation. So, like, you know, like Ninja Turtles, those old games, they didn't really have much. Like, they just made, like, one turtle trash all the time for health purposes and, like, reach. Right. But, like, they didn't say, oh, this one can do these things and this one can do that. Mm-hmm. They didn't really do that until, like, the fighting games. And our game, going more from, like, Final Fight, where it's, like, all three of our characters are completely different, completely different movesets. And again, like Final Fight, it's actually a good example where uh, that game was built that way too. Like anyone can beat the game with anybody. Mm-hmm. In that game, you had to know that you wanted to play, like let's say you wanted to play as Hagar. What if you don't work out with that character? Then you're like, okay, well, I still want to keep playing and I don't really know, have any other option because if I die, I have to like, you know, die in order to switch my character so in our game you switch so that you're like oh well maybe i like this other character more or i or i realize that this character is better against these other enemies like you know final fantasy one actually like that was a game where you could just play as four fighters in your in your team right and that like it's like whenever a game asks you a question like what class do you want to be before you've actually played the game it's (laughs) that's like how do you want to play this game you don't know anything about it yeah like, I think that's a bad question. So for and you know, it's it's how games have been forever. And they pick what you like, what somebody looks like. And what we wanted to do was hey, you can do that. But then you still kind of like a, a reminder, like, hey, 
these characters are here too. And they're fun to play as as well. Like I've had people, you know, lots of people who tell me I like this person. I like this person. Occasionally I get like, I hate this person and it's potentially because they like get the hook, but again, they don't have to like stay with them forever. They just have to do like two or three fights per map or so as that character. Well, in some cases, I mean, you do have to switch to like a certain character for like story purposes. I know like there's like rivalry matches, I believe. Um, so there is that aspect, but it's, it's also funny actually, like how you mentioned Final Fantasy, since obviously your game is also kind of like part RPG in some ways, like with, with, you know, with like leveling up the moves or being able to learn new moves, uh, and also the turn-based aspect of it as well. Um, how did that come about really to basically marry the RPG elements with the beat-em-up, uh, genre in this case? So like when we started working on this game, we really were, uh, I don't know, you know, with being in, being independent and the, always the problem with starting a game project in general they basically say everyone take your first idea and get rid of a bunch of stuff in it and keep scoping down because even you think you're doing not that much you're probably doing a lot mm-hmm. so this game you know we had the you know very humble goal of making the best beat em up game ever <laughs> <laughs> and uh so Initially, when we were just trying to build the game, like stuff just kind of wasn't working out and wasn't like wasn't what we wanted. Kind of had this just like in the shower moment where my brain was just like, what do I like about combat? What games with combat do I like? And I was like, and what what games with combat that is different than other games? So it cycled through like I really love the vets in Fallout 3. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean I always liken this game in the simplest terms possible as Double Dragon meets Fallout 3's Vats, that <laughs> you can basically can pick up, you pick up your character. You've got a ton of moves that are hidden behind this button press. You basically learn all the excess the uh, accuracies for all the moves, and all those moves can do all these different things. But you do have a regular punch, and it does matter where you are in space, like how effective everything is. That's you know. It's funny because lots of people talked about Fallout 3 and they'd be like, oh, it wouldn't be that good without Vats. And I'm like, that's like saying Mario wouldn't be good without jumping. Like Vats was what made Fallout 3 good. Like an integral part of that game. Yeah, it was it was what they based the combat on. Like, I don't like I think people for some reason thought that the first person shooting was supposed to be good. I'm like, no, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be bad because the vats is the good part, right? Like your right. guns suck without that. And that's fine because, and that's what we did is we added a quick attack where the quick attack sucks without, without the, the menu. It's meant to be kind of like the engaging tool, really, as far as I know from Treachery and Beatdown City. And so then there were, and it just, this was all in this like half hour shower moment. I was like, oh, Remember how much you like Hybrid Heaven? <laughs> Which was like, you know, it's a poorly made sci-fi. Like, the story's really interesting. The gameplay of, like, it's, like, supposed to be Metal Gear, but walking around with this really weak laser gun shooting. But then every time you have to fight, like, an alien or a person or whatever, you go into this, like, in-game mode that's one-on-one. It's turn-based. That's 100% turn-based. And it's all about where you're at. It's like totally 3D fighter, like 1998 3D fighter where everyone's just like sliding around and trying to get close and being next to the other person is very important. And there's even like dodge options where you dodge around the person. So if someone does a left kick, 
and you dodge to the right, you'll you'll dodge that. But I thought there was a lot of just over. So then that led me down this path of like being up hybrid heaven again and being like, what do I remember that I liked? What do I not like? What are the problem aspects of the game? And what was the goal I think they were trying to go for? How can I extrapolate on that? Then my RPG was a big inspiration too because it was a you know it's an RPG. I, I mean, I don't. I love RPGs. Like I've loved them. My, I've loved RPGs and beat 'em up slash fighting games. I think the most out of many other things for a very long time. So, like, my RPG was like, how do we make RPGs more engaging? It was like when you attack, you would press the A button to try to dodge or do some sort of extra block or make your attack the timed presses basically. Yeah. Like the whole jump attack in Super Mario RPG, which you could actually jump for as long as you could physically do it, as long as you can, like you can do a hundred jumps in a row as long as you get the timing down. That was, I thought that was very interesting. And so we actually did experiment with if an enemy is going to attack you and you press the button at the right time, you could maybe block it. But that, you know, that wasn't a hundred percent working. So, you know, it was basically from this shower <laughs> uh, i can't <laughs> back I to the shower in this case yeah, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no i mean they say like a shower like it, it kind of sets you a bit right like because you can only shower when you're showering there's I mean, there's there's things you can do in the shower but like you're not doing those things and you're just standing there with water running mm-hmm. or you start thinking about other stuff and you don't have a screen in front of you, you don't have anything like, distracting you so allows your thought processes to be a lot clearer so i just basically think it was go back to hybrid heaven fallout 3 and mario rpg and and like let's try and infuse something from that that's cool yeah so um you mentioned before about like new york and uh like you know how obviously um you know with you being from new york uh that those games that took place in new york had like a big influence on you um so with like new york seemingly being like the most popular setting anyway for beat-em-ups uh, how much does you uh, being a native New Yorker play into designing treachery and beatdown city? The very basis of a lot of this, like one of the things I kind of wanted to get across was, was as I grew up as a kid, I didn't get into many fights, but I'd been chased down the street and yelled at, etc. cetera. Uh, the, the biggest fight I've ever been in was like a fist fight that broke out at, um, at GameStop when I was, it was a week away from me. I was going to be starting rockstar the next week. And, uh, like a guy wanted to trade in an Xbox and he got really like pissed off that we wouldn't take it. So then he headbutted me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it was okay. a guy like, and I'm like six, five and this guy was like five something. And, uh, and I normally don't fight, but my other friend who used to also be the assistant manager there, like 10 years prior or whatever guy tried to flee and my friend grabbed him. I was like, Oh man, this guy didn't get away when it was all in super slow motion. I was just like, all right, man, I'm just I'm just going to do it. I started punching the hell out of this dude. And he he had really long hair and I'm not a fighter. So obviously I grabbed his hair because he was punching me in the head. And that doesn't really do anything to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously he was not very experienced either. He ended up running out of the store. And uh, then his other friend who was still in the store tried to run out too. But my boss, who was like a much shorter, kind of like 50 some odd year old guy, one of the best people on the planet, he tried to block the guy and he and the, the guy's friend like pushed my boss's glasses off. And I leapt at the dude and like put him in a full Nelson and held him for the cops. 
Oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, that was like, it was this wild ass. And I started laughing during all of it at the end. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be here next week. Like <laughs> this is the stupidest thing like to happen in like the last week. I had like this extreme anxiety with people in the city. Like, you know, people yell at you, they attack you. They th- threatened with like gun violence over a Walkman. And you know, you want to fight these people. And what if you could, what if you could fight all the people who say all these terrible things to you? And so that was that was definitely funny because like seeing um the like naughty dog being like, oh man, all of our characters are gonna have names, so that you feel bad. I'm like, no, all of our characters, all of my characters, well, beat 'em up characters always have names. All of yeah, them. Streets of Rage, certainly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, Double Dragon, like Double Dragon, it, yeah. Like Final it, Fight it, as well. You know, I mean, Super Mario Brothers one, like whatever, cheap cheaps, but it's like they're all their names are written in the book, but in our game. All of our characters' names are actually in there. They all have backstories, and they were named and given backstories to make you feel better when you beat them. Because you're like, yeah, this guy's like an asshole. Like, right? Like, like he said something terrible to you, and you should remember that. And it's like you know, in the real world, a lot of times people are unnamed. It's better to it's it's nicer to be able to know somebody. Or once you start to know them, know their name, you can start making fun of them. Like our characters in the cutscenes do make fun of. There's like, you know, the there's that meme on Twitter where everyone makes fun of Tommy Laren right. calling her different names. Yeah. So in our game, a lot of times there's like a character that is like the blonde shouty person. So everyone keeps calling her something else. So it's like an archetype basically for each of the characters you bring in in this case. Yeah. And so they a lot of this like actually just deals with my own anxiety city. So that that element is core to the gameplay of it. And then also, you know, I built all the maps, like all the backgrounds are like based fairly heavily in like reality. And so what I did is I actually went on Google Maps. First thing I did was I would just walk around my neighborhood and take photos. So I have a ton of photos like over the years of just stuff in the city. But then I was like, well, how do I get good side views? And I was like, oh, let's see Google Maps. And lo and behold, I have just folders of stuff from Google Maps. And then what I would do, because, you know, city buildings um, often just repeat, like it's just like six of the same thing on one block. So what I started to do was make composite backgrounds of things that felt made up the feeling of an area. So you'd see like a store for rent. Mm-hmm. and then like a condo right next to it on one side and then an empty lot that was just like vines going up the fence on the other side and then a liquor store and a chinese restaurant and so you know that makes up the feeling of of like Ori side right like i think a lot of my knowledge of the city is definitely embedded in all the background choices and like what types of stores that we put next to other stores, because like, I know I've been into all these stores. I know what they all feel like. And I know have my like, you know, childhood recollections of what I thought the city was like and -hmm. and my adult ideas of now knowing what it's like. So it's like, but I still say like, Oh yeah, I know that one store on that one street. I might want to pull that one store and put that next to the other store that I know on that other street so that they all kind of make up my knowledge memory of like chinatown or something well that kind of like plays into the humor as well when you look at the backgrounds of treachery and beatdown city like just seeing like the names of some of these stores and also to go back to uh, as well like with the interactions that you have with the characters i mean all that like certainly kind of plays into uh certainly um you know having like racism in the country for example like there's certainly like, a lot of like, tones of that are most of the interactions that you have with the characters of treachery and beatdown city 
Are most of those uh, embroiled in some sort of personal story that you had? One shape or form, either personal story or just kind of like archetypal stuff that, um, like, I, I mean, I've I, I definitely expanded on or changed things to make them not be as real because sometimes the real thing might be upsetting. Like, mm. so it's not like a Larry David to George Costanza kind of thing going on there. Uh, yeah, no, not 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 one to one. But I mean, like, there's a cutscene where there's a woman that runs up to the group that claims that the group pushed her when the group actually just pushed by her, like nudged her out of the way, get her to get out of the way, and and she's like shout shouts at them, "Give me a dollar, say you're sorry," mm. and like that act. That's like it's. It's not word for word, but it's very similar to what happened to me one day when I was just so, so there's there's bits that are like straight up like lifted from things that I've had. I've actually had probably weirder experiences sometimes. Like I had a woman throw her iced coffee at me. Oh, wow. It was like I was working on the game and she wanted to charge her phone, the charger that was next to me and my my uh, programmer. And. She was also ranting about how, because she was like an older woman, and she was ranting about how people like forty years ago or thirty years ago would like actually like look up if someone asked to talk to them. And I was like, thirty years ago, you wouldn't have a phone; <laughs> you could plug into the wall. And also, I wouldn't be allowed in this cafe. <laughs> That's a very fair point. <laughs> then she started like trying to like. Then she started trying to tell me, show me pictures of her black friends on Facebook. Oh boy! <laughs> and I started ignoring her, and I put my headphones on, and because I'm like, I gotta work, man. Like, I don't want to have this conversation. She then threatened to have her friends come and find me. <laughs> um, and then at that point, a black woman in the in the cafe, like as black women tend to do, she stood up. She like, are you threatening him? threatening him and then like the woman like left and threw her iced coffee at me like all down my right side Jeez. i'm just like all right <laughs> that's the thing that happened like, i guess so <laughs> i mean and like i mean is that iced coffee story somehow implanted as well in beatdown city <laughs> that's what i'm saying weirder things have had like weirder more intimate things have happened to me the characters are based on experiences you might run into and then sometimes it's just based on like news stories or like because like, we have got a lot of corrupt like private security that were former cops. Mm. So um, sometimes there's there's like one character that's like like our character Gloria. I think it's fully embellished, like really based on anything other than the idea of like what would a private security person who was like a former cop who beat up protesters like what would she be like? <laughs> oh wow, yeah. And uh, but like like there's um character like uh baloney pike who is uh kind of an amalgam there's like a you know there's a cop in new york who like was known for pepper spraying people when they were detained and there's a cop in like california that was also known like they had the whole meme of the guy like nonchalantly pepper spraying a group of student protesters so you know we were like well there's two two kinds let's put them together let's make one super bad cop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, then there was like, so we actually have a character that who's based on something that we changed it quite heavily. Uh, this cop who uh, killed uh, a Kai Gurley. It was this whole like accidental shooting where it was like shot into the hallway of a project building and it killed a guy. Oh, geez. That was like the claim. And like there was this whole like galvanizing stuff where it was like it was Chinese and like the cop was Chinese and he 
like being put through the ringer, whereas white cops tend not to be like put on trial. And then there was this whole like, well, like the Chinese community being like, oh, this guy's this guy shouldn't go to jail. Like with all the white cops that don't go to jail, why are you putting this guy in jail or whatever? And Mm. then the black people being like, all of you should go to jail. All of you who keep murdering black people should go to jail. I don't. And it was probably true that they were like dragging this other guy through a lot harder he didn't fit into whatever, but so we made a character. We like extrapolated more and made him more like there was a cop liked to be on like Instagram or something, and like then took photos of himself while he was with a perp, yet like a person he had arrested who he also like beat up beyond like what he sh- like he shouldn't be doing anything. But like, what if he just Taking beat selfies up a dude, on the job, took a selfie, yeah, while that guy is like bloodied in the background? Jesus Christ! All so right. you know, it, it was kind of like you know, it's like so this character, our our character is also a Chinese cop, and you know, base him a little bit on that guy. But then we're also like, well, what if it's based on something else? Like, and we pull from a lot of just like you know, because I don't know my Twitter feed. I I follow a lot of like very loud and smart and like revolutionary black folks on on twitter like my twitter is very different i think than most people in games mm-hmm. i follow a lot of people i follow comedians i follow a lot of black radical black women feminists uh and just etc and i'm a lot of mutuals a lot of these people which is really cool and so i get this insight like i knew about mike brown being murdered before the news was covering it because of Twitter, right? Like I saw like photos where they were like, yeah, this guy was shot and he's like left in the street. And like, he was like left there for hours before they did anything. Hmm. Remember that day very, very well. It's like my, my news feed. So that's what a lot of this stuff, some of the stuff is like actively kind of like, uh, I always liken it to like, uh, Dante's Inferno is that <laughs> Dante's Inferno he like drags a lot of politicians and other people like lawyers and things like that he drags them to hell with him actually, yeah where he's like oh this person's a liar they are in this like circle of hell like where they're buried up to their neck and shit and there's just <laughs> shit raining from the, the sky on them forever yeah and he's basically making a statement right there he's like I don't like this person I don't know them that well I don't like them taking them to hell with me in my book <laughs> you know I, I watch a ton of like impeel i've been watching like i've been a fan of theirs since they were on mad tv like writing stuff and mad tv was a big sat satirical like they always covered this stuff and key and peel just took that and made their own show and like watching atlanta these are all like these great satires of world that feel a bit too real sometimes like, you know the bit in key and peel where they have like negro town or something like and the guy just <laughs> he gets like knocked out and he's getting arrested and he like thinks oh he's gone to negro town he's actually getting arrested by like a cop and like uh, and he had been hit by the cop and like that's like he just had this whole hallucination of like what if there was a better world where i didn't have to worry about the cops i mean it's kind of like a lot of that um i guess like evolution of like dave Chappelle in that sense as well too yeah yeah i mean they but again like mad tv was out like, like the 2000s like i was watching mad tv in like 2005 2006 with like Michael Key and Jordan Peele writing skits and acting in skits back then. Yeah. And yeah, Dave Chappelle, the Chappelle show definitely did a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. So comedy and all this other stuff, like why I follow a lot of comedians because, you know, they know how to write comedy. It's like, they talk about how the best comedy can tell they're kind of telling the truth sort of, even if they're not. Well, it's coming from like their own experiences in this case, or like their own past. And usually for like a lot of comedians, they have a pretty tragic past anyway. 
Yeah, and then it's just like your observations, and you have to write your 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 um punchlines. And the thing is, the punchline might not be true. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it doesn't have to be true. None of this stuff has to be true, but it has to be authentic. It has to be coming from like a real place within you. Right. So like right. like you know who better to follow than like uh, Dave Chappelle, Jordan Peele, Michael Keegan Key, uh, um, Donald Glover. All these people who are just making these amazingly like real shows. I also watch a lot of Broad City to catch up, you know, because I think that's a, it's a very different view on all these things. Uh, and just you know, watch a lot of comedians: W. Kamau Bell, Hari Kondabalu. Uh, so all these like influences really seem to play a big part in your writing for Treachery and Beatdown City. It seems. Yeah, like also like Hari specifically, just because he really talks about like one of my favorite it's that he talked about was like he said like when he came back from uh he talked about like just white entitlement and how he came back he's being picked up at the airport by his dad and a white woman went into the back of his dad's car and told him to take her somewhere (laughs) then she real and then him and his family got into the car that she like freaked out and ran away and that she's never been heard from again and it's like that's a funny story i don't know if it's true but you think it could be true I mean, that's a thing that I could definitely see happening at some point. I've seen people do, you know, similar things to that. So Exactly. So, like, even if it's not 100% true, it's a good story that, like, illustrates a point. Oh, yeah. Amir Rahman is great. Oh, yeah. Um, I follow him, too. Joyelle. Actually. Yeah. Joyelle Nicole, uh, Shalewa Sharp, Shel Buteau, like, uh, Open Mike Eagle and... Um, Baron Vaughn with the new Negroes introduced me to so many different people because they brought out all these comedians, just all these black comedians, like at the same time. They had their own show, and it's like because, like, even right before we were about to launch Treasure Beatdown City, I looked at my script like a month or two before and I said, There's no punchline here. There's not this. There's not that. There's not this. This is missing. That's missing. I did a hard like thing and I did a full edit weeks before the game came out. Wow. Like I it, and I was and I was laughing finally at scenes and I was like okay, this is good. It all kind of clicked in place for you in that case, yeah. Yeah. There's a cutscene where there's a biker that was just a big, semi-racist biker. This white guy who like looks like an old school biker with a big white beard and American flag bandana. And the twist is well, a one twist is you break his bike and he comes wanting retribution, but he won't take a check from. A rich black guy that's on your team because he calls him a thug, mm. and then the black guy is like, "But I'm a, like, you're a biker, dude. Like, what do you mean?" And he's like, "That's like the pot calling the kettle black." <laughs> that's like a specific term that in comedy, like a lot of times people go, "Whoa, what do you mean black?" Like as soon as you say black, like right, it's a trigger out. word in that case. Yeah. And then he says because he's a part of this biker gang says as the HR director of the biker gang and that's the first time you find this out <laughs> and it's funny right like what, yeah. what biker gang with an HR director that was that was added like week before the game came out and I was like oh just because like we had this idea that the biker gang would also be a tech company yeah and, like so we had to then, and all this yeah. Yeah, and we had to flesh that out like who are the and you know again it's these little details that I would tell someone and they'd laugh and I'm like yes finally getting there yeah, they like if I just tell someone a little bit about this cutscene, I don't even have to tell the whole thing. And they like, oh, a biker HR director. That's funny. And I'm like, yeah. So like, yeah, I've been reading just how to write scenes, how to do this and how to do that. And just writing, reading it over and over and just watching a ton. And they clicked when I finally had like weeks to sit down and just finally write and not just bug test. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so what makes beat em up special to you in general? Just like the genre overall? I guess a big part of it is just, you know, that's what my friends had. They had, you know, they had bad dudes and double dragon. I, I remember I specifically tried to steal my friend's copy of bad dudes. <laughs> yeah. You love it that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was not good. I mean, I was super poor. So like I had definitely had a stealing problem when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I never had the, no one ever had the talk with me that like, yo, capitalism is terrible. Um, <laughs> I didn't really understand, you know, why can't I have things, right? Like, right. Those games. And then I had a friend when I was in like eight, uh, the a best friend from camp who lived out in Park Slope. And so me and my mom would go visit him and his mom. And he had Turtles 2, the arcade game, and eventually Turtles 3, uh, mm. Manhattan Project. I love that that's game, a, yeah. That's a rare game, yeah. I don't think a lot of people played that game. Like, oh, I played, played it. I played 2. a hell of a lot of Manhattan Project. <laughs> yeah, and it's good. It's really good. It's so, really good. like, I just... Like, I think beat-em-ups are very layered experiences where it's all about... Um, look at Super Mario Bros. 1, and Super Mario Bros. 1 is really brilliant. It gets a lot out of like enemies. A lot of them are actually the same enemy, just with slightly different behavior, which you can all see in like, you know, Super Mario Maker, where you add wings to a green Koopa and now it bounces. Right. You add wings to a red Koopa and it flies in a direction and stays in the air forever until you like knock it down. And beat em ups are like that, where it's all about this layering of, okay, these characters have whips and these characters have an extra long kick and you just have to figure out their patterns. And then, and then they put them together, not on a uh, double dragon on the Nintendo. Like a lot of those games, that game definitely had memory issues because you could only fight the same enemy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Beat them up specifically because like, you know, the genre has expanded into uh, character action games, which I think they kind of get conflated. I hate when people use the term brawler for like a shooter game. Yeah. It's really confusing, like yeah. a party shooter. And you're like, that's you know, brawl is you fight. You're fighting people like, with fists or close weapons. Mm-hmm. It gets me really close to being like, well, actually, you know, and yeah. I don't want to no, be that guy, but yeah. I mean, I I do want to be that person, but I just I'm like, I don't have enough time to be yeah. like, <laughs> stop calling your games brawl. I do do that, like at like GDC on like a stage, I'll be like, they're not brawlers, they're game, they're shooter games, like they're distance. Like I don't understand, like unless you're using your gun to hit people with it, it's not right. a brawler. Yeah. Like like John Wick is like a brawler movie. Mm. Um, because like even though there's a lot of shooting there's just a lot of like personal hand-to-hand fighting in it like it's, it's a mix of both yeah. yeah definitely yeah so like you could call that like a brawler like because i'd be, be like it's not just a shooter i mean i, I always remember thinking on wick was like most video game like movie of all time oh, because totally. he even used this painkillers 100 percent. yeah it's like, like max pain you know <laughs> it's like yeah i said i said that's the max pain movie Max Payne movie was awful. Yeah. This is like the Max Payne movie because it's dark. It's New York. It's like being all the time. Mm-hmm. But we got Keanu Reeves in this. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit better yeah. in that case. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, I love it. Yeah. And um, I've just found that over the years, I've really just, I don't know why I like, like the idea of like close quarters fighting as like mm. thing you do. Like, I mean, I love like, you know, punch out. It's, I mean, if I had to really, um, if I had to like place a guess on that, honestly, I think it's just like the intimacy of it and just like, you know, having that mano to mano kind of like, you know, fair battle, if you will, as far as like, okay, like we're just going to lay everything on the ground and just see who comes out on top pretty much. And that's why I was, I was always a big fan of like fighting games and beat em up games before that. 
Um, I, I just always loved that intimacy behind it, and um, especially with fighting games anyway, when you have like, you know, you versus an actual like, human person, uh, mano a mano, and just like, you know, against just seeing who comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, that's that's actually like what I've noticed about, that's actually what I don't like kind of about like what's shifting with beat-em-ups these days is um, like, I like Street Fighter 2 a lot, and mm-hmm. I remember when Guilty Gear was new, I thought it was like really cool and over the top. And then I remember buying Guilty Gear X2. Like, I guess I, I loved the Marvel universe, the Marvel, um, Marvel versus Capcom games and all that. Yeah. I like those, but those were just like, you know, just mash the hell out of these games. And yeah, you, you know, you could play them with skill also, but it was a lot of jumping and a lot of moving and mm-hmm. the lack of intimacy. It was just more of like a, like I didn't take those games as seriously. I thought I, like I seriously thought as a teenager that all you had to do was just mash buttons <laughs> and know how to play those games at all. I think a lot of people thought that too, honestly. <laughs> and I remember I like, I got taken to, 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 to town, like, cause I was just playing the arcade and some guy walked up and decided he wanted to play. And I thought I was just going to wail on him and he was doing like really good. So I was like, Oh, I need to play this like you know, a real fighting game now. And it's because it's just because of the way the game is layered, right? It's the layers of those games are very different than the layers of like a double dragon where it's all about get up, punch the person in the face. That's like thing that like adding all of this juggling to beat em ups really noticed it in Castle Crashers. And I didn't like because Castle Crashers is built like a character action game. It's built less like a beat em up because it's all it has like its launchers. Anytime you put a direct launcher in that game and you're supposed to jump up and start hitting the person in the air, just like I start losing interest because I'm just like, I like the whole idea of like, let's be on the ground and like run up to people and, you know, I could jump kick you, but it's like still a bit more. This is like, if I launch you, at my whim at that point like i just jump and there's nothing generally that anyone can do i mean streets of rage 4 is very much like that too as far as like the juggling component of it like it's very juggled heavy um i don't know if you got to play that at all or i i eh, credits rolled on that like i i did a stream where i was playing it i went through streets of rage 4 i went through my game a bit i went into like final fight one of the like like some of the other games on the capcom beat them up played fight and rage Mm. back to streets of rage and then came back to my game and it's just like and i again i beat streets of rage 4 recently and i'm like and a lot of people recommended adam i do like adam um i don't like that the game is so juggle heavy because once you put juggles in a game you actually start deprioritizing some of the things that um like our game again my game like kind of has like wrestling game elements in it to it too Mm. where like enemies also change their tactics based on their health i was gonna say like tactics and like strategy based for sure because of the positioning they have to like keep in mind so yeah yeah but like so so my game is also a is not supposed to be just like a beat-em-up like it's supposed to be like this tactical beat-em-up that's got these menus it's got these elements it's got behavior for enemies where they change over time and so in streets of rage uh, like i enjoyed a lot of elements of it but I don't know, like there. Well, there's like two things in that, like the, but like there were some bullshit ass hitboxes in there where I couldn't. <laughs> like, I actually have a video where there's a dude, you know, the guys that like hold the knife and just walk at you. Yeah, yeah, that's the bane of a lot of people's existence. <laughs> hitbox is just not fair. Like, it's like it's if it was in a shmup, you'd be like you're getting hit like when the person's not even touching you, and that like you know in a shmup that would be like it's a cardinal a cardinal sin. sin. Yeah. And I think that's a cardinal sin here, too, because, like, if I can't, like, if I'm on the same level as you, 
like I had one of those dudes in the corner on the bottom of the screen and I was trying to punch and I couldn't go any further down. He could walk up and hit me from below. Right. There's just a lot of like really questionable hitboxes, which also make some of the juggling like way more difficult than it has to be. I mean, Streets of Rage 4 doesn't do it too much, but there are some instances where you have enemies going off screen and they could still mess around with you off screen. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not here to bounce people off of walls and like do all. It's just like, again, like it's that's a very specific gameplay style. Yeah. And like fight and rage. Like I was talking to my buddy, Justin Woodward, who I think you he's a good person to talk to, too. He just shipped uh, in Silent Bob Mall Brawl. Oh, yeah. Really cool game. Yeah, it's it is like the most normal beat em up that I've seen in a while where it's like, you know, it's built just like a Nintendo game. With uh, Streets of Rage, I kept having these issues where the game's environment would hold me up, and I couldn't like engage with an enemy sometimes or these other things. And it was just like, I don't know if other people have run into this, but I've run into it way too often. Then also, the game has gun, gun-toting characters, and then at one point they make the gun-toting characters have super armor. They make all these characters in that game have super <laughs> armor, and I'm just like super armor man like make the character like it it totally removes like the interest oh i was punching this person oh they don't react ever mm-hmm. oh, okay well that's the whole thing about beat-em-ups is like like when you praise when you play double dragon you punch an enemy each single time you punch them they move a specific way right you have like a head turn it's a hit stun um, basically aspect yeah. of it, yeah. and and when you when you now hit like a character and they just do nothing they no sell the whole time. I'm just like, I, and there's like one character that like Hulk Hogan, they Hulk up and everything on you. Yeah. (laughs) But again, like, and that's the problem is it's like, you know, in wrestling psychology, right? Like this is why we actually really took like an idea of like wrestling elements into our game is because like the psychology of a wrestling match is if Hulk Hogan was invincible, always that would not be fun, which is what an MMORPG is like. That's what, uh, like, uh, MOBAs are like where you're trying to hit a thing and the, like the tank is just going the tank doesn't react to the fact that you're punching it it just keeps going until you take out all the health but, right and right. that's what like certain enemies in God of War do or other character action games where you're just hitting them and they don't react because they're so big they won't react until you've hit them 32 times and reduce their HP to a certain level that they have to react and I always feel like that feels bad that feels bad to me like I like when I punch, if I punch the boss in the face, the boss reacts. Maybe the boss occasionally has super armor. Like there's a... Like on Get Up or something like that, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a pretzel character, a chocolate-covered pretzel character in, in Silent Bob, obviously. Um, and it's named Adobo. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because it's like big and muscular with a pretzel face because it's, <laughs> it's a chocolate pretzel. Mm-hmm. So it's like this like multi-lever, but like, again, it has this... It, flashes white when you know that it's going to do this dashing punch that's invincible if the character's flashing white for the entire time that you're fighting them that's not good we talked a little bit before actually about the soundtrack to the game and the soundtrack is definitely very notable with um with people like two mellow on there uh, i mentioned two mellow specifically actually just because we've had him on the show like a couple of times and he's a really cool dude and everything um so i just want to ask you like who else did you have on board for the soundtrack and also what kind of direction did you give them when putting it all together we have like our anthem down city we gonna whoop your ass that has like yeah. a... <laughs> so the the soundtrack to the game was done by inverse phase who if you've never had him on the thing you should have him on the podcast because he is adherent to like he's really talented and very adherent to uh technical limitations of 
systems to the point where he had put out a 8-bit chiptune cover album. It's called Pretty 8 Machine. Mm, And every track has a name that's a pun off of the system that it was on. He pulls, he builds each track from the chipset, a tarable lie. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Pulls all of its stuff from Atari. Has no Nintendo, has nothing. Then there's like Commodore 64. He does like all the systems. That's awesome. makes these tracks. And like he actually got like Trent Reznor to sign off on him making it. He worked with the um, artist for the original cover. Just get the blessing to make his own cover of like, you know, his own like pixelated cover. And it was like this element. Like I had basically heard a cover of a CeeLo Green, like the FU song. Oh, nice. Uh, in with Chiptune. And I thought it was so good that um, I used it without any permission in like a little video. When I was working on the game, I actually just made a video of like a character like doing a blazing lariat on a, a bike rider, a bicycle rider who just wouldn't get out of the way, who was about to hit him anyway. I found that and I was like, oh, this is great. And I went on Twitter and I was like, and I really, I'm a fan of this guy. And he, and I was like, yo, you want to work on this? He was like, I'm busy. And then he was just like, actually, not so busy. Like, what do you want to do? Here's my rates. And so I was still working Rockstar at the time. And I didn't know if this was going to be a thing. I just thought, you know, like, I'll do stuff for fun for now. So we made the intro music. It's a two minute long track. And I wanted to just make an intro, a great intro to a game. And so I basically actually took photos and put together an intro to a slowed down version of uh intro to escape from new york and like i so instead of so because that song's like dun, 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 like it was like a really good like you know um john carpenter is like an amazing oh yeah musician slash director mm-hmm. and like all of his music's great so i basically listened to a lot of his music was watching a lot of these movies while i was working on this game just idea and we worked and I kind of hummed some things to him, try to get some stuff like ironed out to make it build and then pay off. And then it was done. And then I was like, eventually later when we were working on the game full time, I was like, okay, well, one of the key things that I was just like, I was like, these game, these songs need to have hooks. And each, like if it's an overworld theme, it's about 15, 20 seconds long. If it's a fight theme, the main fight theme is about a minute and a half long. Uh, and that's like, you know, you're going to hear it a lot. So it's got to be something that just, you know, keeps the action going. There's several fight themes. There's like mid-boss. There's Ninja Dragon Terrorists have their own theme. The mayor has his own theme. And like, eventually I was like, I really want like a rap song for this game. And um, I had seen Too Mellow. I was working on this fighting game and had like a, they had a stretch goal where it'd be like, oh, Mega Ran and, and Open Mike Eagle would in like do a track for the game i just became i fell in love with like open mic eagles like music like i just i saw him in a concert and like i became enraptured that night i was just like this guy is amazing and i listened to like his whole collection and i also had another musician in mind this guy show you suck i loved his music too and uh too mellow i was just like oh, too mellow worked with the inverse phase and together a beat and that beat progressed over time uh, mike put raps to it gave us a demo it was really good and then it was like yeah this is great so he like went back and re-recorded a lot of it some of the wording and then in the end two mellows like beat like he kept producing it till the very last 
like moment before delivering it added this just amazing end to the beat that like it, it makes me there's like these little trumpets that he added towards <laughs> the end of the song and this heroic swell again he's really good with, with like samples and like making them work and like whatever part of the song they needs to yeah actually it's funny because the first thing we ever talked about was the chrono jigga soundtrack yeah yeah <laughs> i think i met him at like gamer x I remember saying, like, I don't like Jay-Z, so that's the only reason I don't like your album. Um, <laughs> because I don't like Jay-Z as a person. Right. Jay-Z, like, uh, Jay-Z's whole, like, diamonds before people, essentially, which has been coming out more and more. The fact that everyone's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't like Jay-Z? And I'm like, he's a capitalist. And people are like, no. And I'm like, do you listen to any of his music? All he ever talks about is if you don't have money, don't talk to him. Right. And right. <laughs> then recently, like that came out where, you know, he just talks about how like black people should invest in art because that's good. <laughs> I'm like, and then like giving stock tips in another track or something. It's yeah. like Jewish people are good at investing. Why aren't black people? And I'm like, black people have had all their stuff ripped apart from them. Jewish people have also had, if you were like dealing with the Holocaust, you had all your shit stolen from you too. Right. But like the other thing is that like a Jewish person in America at the same time after like, World War Two had more rights than a black person in America. That is painfully true. That, yes, <laughs> he couldn't build that well. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You also went. To, he went to high school at my high school's rival high school. <laughs> Actually, talks about the Decepticons with the gang that was founded at Brooklyn Tech, which is hilarious because nerdy named gang at like a tech school that was actually known as one of the most violent gangs in in New York really but yeah like um and i didn't really deal with any of that when i was i found out about this later but you'll hear it in his lyrics and then like he made that streets of rage album that i liked yeah, a lot streets of resistance that was really really yeah. good yeah return of the soul i mean but return of the soul came out after we had already been working together but like yeah i'm just like i'm like floored by all his work and yeah the jet set radio album he did was just incredible it's really really cool yeah, i was listening to it the other day just because i was going through like Bandcamp stuff because i bought his whole like discography like forever ago during one of those like hey i need help mm-hmm. people like help me out and i respect the hell out of him because trying to get this game's single out like is very different like i've gotten way more coverage for my game than i've ever gotten i got no coverage for that album that little single from anyone, even people who write about Open Mike Eagle on the regular. Uh, and then we also got like Show You Suck to be on the the remix, which has like a lot of really. And then got to to mellow to to work on some of the remix. I actually want to work with this guy Steve, who was part of the Hood Internet. Mm, okay, that's my goal. Is uh, he they do amazing rap mashups and DJ sets and they're all if you go on YouTube and look up Hood Internet there's like they do like all the songs from like 1985 and there's this group Air Credits which uh, Show You Sucks a part of the whole thing is like it's like futurist hip hop and there's actually a whole song where they talk about like Trump cloning himself over and over and <laughs> the world running out of water and like all this stuff and if you listen to that song it's about as bleak as what's going on right now just bit more satirical and I, I was like when i heard air credits i was like this is exactly the stuff that i'm going for with my game like it's, it's i was gonna great. say like it's very grounded in reality in that case yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so like working with those musicians uh i i, I really in the future want to figure out how to work more and do like more of like a hip-hop vibe but for this game like i wanted to make like the nes soundtrack one of the best ones ever I told Inverse, I was like, I need to be able to listen to this song for hours on end without turning it off. And I would do that for every single song. 
And for me, I was just like, I like to listen to video game music. I listen to like all the Brave Wave stuff that they put out, like the Street Fighter soundtrack mm, and uh, yeah, uh, Ninja Gaiden soundtrack. Like I bought the Street Fighter one on on CD. Yeah, same. I yeah. think I bought the Ninja Gaiden one on Bandcamp, and I just I streamed the hell out of that. And like, and I listen to those tracks forever. And I can I, I'll listen to a Final Fight track looped for thirty minutes. Like I <laughs> like that stuff. I like, and that's what I was going for was. Can we make these minute long, two minute long things something that you could just listen to forever? Because I think that's what they were going for with Nintendo. It was like these brilliant, brilliant musicians, like which is very different than like like current audio scores, right? Which are just forgettable or copies of other people's scores. And like there's even a video on YouTube, it's like, why do Marvel movies all sound the same and uninteresting? And it's because they score them with temp tracks from other movies, and then they have to make their music sound like the temp track because they're not going to buy the Hans Zimmer track from Hans Zimmer, so they're going to make a track like Hans Zimmer, and then Hans Zimmer, he makes his iconic thing for Batman, and then that gets put in like the background of another movie when they're editing the movie, and then somebody sees that they're like, "I like this," and they're like, "Yeah, but we have to get new music," and they're like, "No, it's like copy paste with the same template." And but we got to buy this sound. music, and they're like, "No," so they're like, "Cool, you got to make music that sounds like Hans Zimmer," which means you're not Hans Zimmer. <laughs> you don't know, you, know, you don't know what his inspi- influences were. Even Hans Zimmer has like bad days. Like all of like a lot of his Mass Effect music doesn't sound good. Yeah, as it doesn't sound as good as like his movie music because I don't know. I feel like people these days in games a lot of times like a lot of the music's just really like uninspired, and it's it's more to be like a feeling in the background and less like the driving force. Whereas like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers music is the driving force for the game. It's built to feel a specific way. It's running at the same speed as the game, right? Like there's that whole video with Jamin Warren talking about why does Mario feel so satisfying. And talks about how, like, you know, like even the jumping sounds are built to sound like to they they're built on to be on a specific beat. So the game plays musically. It's it's a natural flow with the actual gameplay, but also with the musical elements to the game as well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so your game is out now uh, for Steam and Nintendo Switch. Uh, can you share also like what your plans are for like the PS4 and Xbox One, uh, and also what are the future plans as well for Treachery and Beatdown City? I'm approved to be a PlayStation developer waiting to hear anything about how to get those kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, still waiting on uh, Xbox kits, uh, waiting to hear how to get those also. Um, <laughs> Might be better off on like Xbox Series X or PS5 at this point, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Ser- Series X, as far as I know, yeah, things are supposed to be backwards compatible there. So I think that's pretty good. I don't ever want to be like a, a retro inspired game on a launch without like you know a big name brand associated a new age console people, and thing, yeah <laughs> this game initially was going to release on the vita forever ago and i thought the vita was like one of the greatest of hardware ever because the oled screen with like the perfect black blacks is like the like the great colors made my game just like sing and just look beautiful and then once the switch got announced I was like, okay, this is the Vita, but way better. This is the thing that I've always wanted, like a Nintendo handheld that could also be played on your screen. Like I started with the Game Boy, right? Like I I played Tiger Electronics when a kid. (laughs) Handheld games are so important to me. Those were the things that I could actually get a hold of. Like I bought, had my Donkey Kong 3 game and watch. That was like the 
video game I guess I had wow. that was like, you know, those are like 30 bucks that was stolen from me outside of a boys club when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my mom was so mad because she was like, I told you not to take it out of the house. And then one day I was able to replace it for like a dollar. I bought like a Donkey Kong one at a flea market. They thought it was broken because the batteries were put in backwards. <laughs> and yeah. And so then I like turned them around and I was like, nah, it works. They're like, oh, you should give us more money. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I give you a dollar. Transaction made. Sorry. <laughs> it's like our game has so much like it's all the it's like a, it's a game with a lot of violence. A game with like a lot of verbal violence. I tried watching the boondocks a lot, like just mm. binging it once. And I'm like, that that show is so dark and negative that I had to turn it off at some point. It was like, I love that show, but I can't just keep watching it because it's just seeping into my brain. And I'm <laughs> King, I'm gonna like just say something to the wrong person. I mean, I could only get as far as season one in that show, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's like you gotta watch it in parts, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's like this, it's just like, like such negative characters on it specifically. Like they're not even the main characters, but they just like drag you down with them, which is of a good character. Like our game, you know, like there's like sometimes complaints where people talk about there's too many fights, and I'm like, you can walk away, you know. There's save points, like just turn off the game at that point, like. A lot of people who tell me they're like, that's it's built. It's built like go three to five fights at a time and then you get a save point. And it's kind of built with that rhythm because it has been built. You know, it was built a long time ago, like with PlayStation Mobile in mind. Like we wanted to be like and make a, a big thing that could be enjoyed in small pieces, mm-hmm. even like a save and exit. Like you can just leave whenever you want. You look at like the because people ask, like, you know, where's PlayStation? Where's Xbox? PlayStation seems like the most likely um, Xbox maybe come along just because we're in unity. And if we make like concessions to make uh, trophies, then we should just make achievements too. Cause they're the same thing. Right. Uh, like my friend, uh, Brandon, who's putting out like his game gun house, which is amazing looking. Like it's actually really fun. Like it's like volleyball, except you have guns and you shoot the ball. <laughs> okay. It's like, it looks like an SNK like game. It's beautiful. You got my like attention a, with that. Neo one. Right. Yeah. No, I, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Necrosoft is putting that out. Okay, I know um, Necrosoft, yeah. Like, the trailer, they put up, like, a trailer on, um like, PlayStation blog and on the Xbox blog. And the PlayStation blog, people are like, oh, this is cool. Xbox blog, people are like, this better not be the Games with Gold game. <laughs> you were upset that they might get the game for free. Yeah. Like, so, you know, and it's like, the fan bases are, I mean, it, and it stems back to a lot of things. It stems back to the Xbox one was pivoted as being like a cable thing that has gears of war, halo and Madden. Right? Like those are the things that like Microsoft thought were very important for their, their fan base. And Microsoft has moved. Feel like their vibe has changed a lot, right? Like Microsoft used to be the indie platform, Xbox 360. Then Sony came in and swooped in and were like, no, we're the indie platform. Then the switch became like, no, this is where your indie game should go because it has a nice small screen that's very beautiful and it's handheld and you can also put it on your screen. And before all that, the Vita was also the indie machine, too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but that's what I'm saying. The indie, it was like with Sony because Sony was like, oh, put it on PlayStation, put it on, put on PS3, put it on Vita. Yep. And so that was a big thing. That was a big uh, priority. So it's all about like who has the priorities, who has the fan base. Um, So that's why the switch was like, I, I didn't think, I thought like, Honestly, there was a point where it was like, you know, Steam has changed so much in the years and the public's like uh, enjoyment of like 
true style games like the like has you know waxes and wanes where some people are like oh man i love it it looks sick and then sometimes people are just like i've seen 32 games that look like this because even though 32 games that might look like worse or very different or whatever there was that whole wave of like really bad looking rpgs and stuff that weren't actually that good that were like built like dragon warrior but not good like if you dug into them but they played on that retro aesthetic get people to be really into it. People bought it. They got burned out. And then they started hating anything that came out that looked remotely like that, even if it was like way better. I was actually convinced for a while that when there was nothing there, there was no switch. There was nothing. I was like, I don't know what I'm making this game for anymore. Cause it's going to come out on steam and nobody's going to want it. If it comes out on Xbox or PlayStation, nobody's going to want it. And sure enough, like switch is like, it's doing really well compared to steam. Like doing okay. Um, switch is doing better. And that's nice. And I don't know, you know, what the ecosystem on PlayStation and Xbox is going to be like, right? Like, especially with Xbox um, and PlayStation going into their next gen. But that's why you'd want to stay with the old system anyway, because there's still plenty of people, millions of people versus hundreds of thousands of people. And to the other point, we are working on localization. We're not out in Europe um, or Australia on the Switch yet because we look at Europe not like the UK. So like, you know, our game is so nuanced in terms of its language that we're working at working to try to work with a localization team that can tell our story the way we want to tell it in the various languages, which is hard, right? You need to work with people who are known for translating problematic, like jokes, like mm. jokes that could totally come off the wrong way if written. Cause the books are everything. It's they're written. Um, I carefully crafted all the language in this and it's still probably going to get lost in translation a little bit, but at least, I mean, so baked in like American urban, like culture really, you know, so it's, it's, it's me. Gonna be very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I've had, I've had arguments with people outside the country that like, don't understand like, what racism is or don't under you know, like that are from like rarely all white countries or whatever who just don't understand the problems and then there's people in european countries that there's this movie um black power mixtape which is a documentary that was filmed in the 1960s and then didn't come out until the 2000s and it was actually for the better for it because it had like quest love and uh, talib Kweli in it to talk about like what was going on and it's like amazing it's a documentary and they were filming it from like the point of view that like white people are crazy in the country. They think that racism doesn't exist. And let's talk to black people about this. And they even started off where they talk to a white person and they say, do you think anyone regardless of race and succeed in this country? And they talk to a black person and the white person's like, yeah, of course you got to do this. And the black person's like, nope. <laughs> and so, you know, they had this thesis. So it was like, you know, European people do have this, but a lot of European people don't because it's just not part of their reality. Whereas in the city, like, I don't think this even translates 100% outside of the city sometimes where people are like, I don't understand the commentary. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. It's why people call things divisive when they don't understand it because they don't understand that it's like someone's lived experience. Well, I mean, that's always going to be like a problem, I feel like, with any media that does tackle this type of material, really, as for, you know, in terms of like baked in racism, systematic racism as well, uh, because like a lot of people just don't experience it or live it unless they actually do in their day to day, unless you know, unless they actually grew up in like a certain area or whatever it may be. Um, you know, but like that, that is kind of like the great thing, really, is like you know what it is that you're doing as far as like you know masking it with with comedy, 
but you're still kind of telling your tale. You're still telling these stories that either you experienced or that you've heard from other people, like from actual real world experiences that people have experienced. And, um, you know, just being able to, you know, kind of get that story out there so that more people may be able to, I guess, like realize that this is very much a thing because um, it does drive me like a little crazy as well since I, you know, since I go to Ireland quite often, like to visit family and everything. And, and it, it is very much like that, like over in Europe where, you know, racism isn't necessarily kind of like seen as a thing or not seen as like being a big deal because that that history isn't baked in there as it is here. You know, so um, it, it, it is important that you do get to tell your story and that more people will be able to kind of realize it through your point of view. Yeah. So that's that's basically we've been doing all the stuff in a single document to hand it off to a localization team, start working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also like looking at a Asian uh, publishing because I think that'd be great. Like, I think it's I think our games, even if some stuff of the story is lost in translation, I think the mechanics might go, go over even better. Yeah, that market in those markets like Japan specifically, like and it's also just kind of like, you know, a little kid thing. It'd be cool to have my game out in Japan, right? Like when you're a kid and you're like a Japanophile and like, <laughs> like with watching Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, video games, and anime, all, the, all yeah, that. Yeah. Playing all the Nintendo games and like reading about like Super Final Fantasy that's going to come out that ended up becoming Secret of Mana mm. and all <laughs> those games that just a uh, Bahama Lagoon, which never came out here. And people are still like, there's a part of that like we want this game like this game was one of the most technical advanced games on the super nintendo and this game come out like literally secret of mana 3 trials of mana right just came out mm-hmm. they put it out twice they they rebuilt it all the way from the ground up and finally gave us the rom on a on a cart and it's like something that people have wanted for a very long time so it's like you know that of course and some of my favorite you know developers uh like like suda 51 uh, Harada, like I, I don't understand Tekken, but I like think Tekken's a beautiful game, beautiful expression of fighting, and like you know, Final Fantasy is huge to me. Um, Ogre Battle, yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, all those games. So like to get my game out into that market is very important to me. Just for like, like I would love if I could get my game out on a shelf at GameStop before it goes under because I worked <laughs> at GameStop for. Or rather, GameStop bought EB Games when I was working there. So I full worked. circle in this case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's more like, yeah, like look how far I've come. Yeah. Like, it's these, it's these like little milestones that would be amazing. And it's like sad because a lot of the stuff is, you know, drying up or in a world now where like, you know, a lot of the cartridges are made in China. Cartridges take about two months or so to like ship because they go on a boat. And that means that you, uh, you know, the slowing of, cartridges and everything being built you know that might also just make people more reticent to even start a process at this point so those are our goals for that and then we also have like a bunch of story stuff to add to the game so some story dlc basically yeah Yeah, it's just all free all free updates there's a there's a major story point in the game and you're adding to it right now in the game there's about 40 some odd enemies and at last check, I think we're adding another thirty or so. <laughs> oh wow! Because I'm like a whole I'm other crazy. game basically that you're like attached to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's more, more, more levels, uh, more places to go, more people to talk to, more people to fight, more music. Also, All well, right. that's that's going to be pretty big, and that's figuring out exactly when that can come out. Because yeah, like everything, like my programmer actually was 
down and couldn't work for like two or three weeks because of uh having to move but it was like how do i find an apartment while (laughs) while all this is going on and then trying to move and all that so it's like it's the, the wildest stuff that you out about game dev it's this thing that i truly know that when you're like a two-person team i talk about like how game dev teams are often like a wall if you're a two-person team and support isn't there then you're just a brick yeah (laughs) you can't do anything it's like i mean i can i can make all the content but if it can't go in the game or i can play test the hell out of the game and qa it or a QA person can QA it and if or a musician can make more music but if the programmer's not there who the the other brick that makes it a wall then right that's like the glue of it all to kind of put it all together in that case yeah Yeah, absolutely if you'd like to send us any feedback opinions retro games or topics for us to cover or anything at all really you can email us at ardcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts it's your home away from home if you're crazy about star wars animaniacs or pop culture in general there's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. So Sean, where can people go in order to find you online and also Treachery and Beatdown City online? Beatdowncity.com, at Beatdown underscore City on Twitter. We have a small Discord where I'm dropping new future content, like little hints at stuff first before i drop it anywhere else um i am at a new nu challenger or new challenger and you challenger.com uh, mostly because new challenger was not available actually on twitter and then i was like let's do nu well i could do a new challenger like, yeah it's kind of funny how that stuff works and i was like yeah that works because it's, it's it's interesting it's like new as in kind of like like a kind of funky technocratic new in a sense yeah <laughs> exactly so it was like it worked out worked out well yeah, totally. Yeah, and like you know, plus you can you know always kind of have like that introduction, um, you know, because I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure like how you have like the introduction for like the logo for for like the company or anything, but like it should be like here comes a new challenger, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Oh yeah, I also designed uh and um inverse phases logo so that people knew where to go get like inverse phase at Bandcamp, and you can actually find a large part of the soundtrack. And uh, you can follow Argcast on Twitter at Argpodcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash Argpodcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Guilty Man. And yeah, that is Argcast Mini number 40 in the books. And Sean, thank you very much for joining me here. And until next time, keep it retro. Hey everybody, it's Dustin from the HP Podcast. And this is Ben. We're just coming here to tell you about our show, well, the HP Podcast. The HP Podcast is a weekly video game podcast from HandsomePhantom.com that's also part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And Ben, it's a little hard to describe our show because it's a little bit of everything. We get into a lot of shenanigans. We also talk about some news. We have some pretty serious topics sometimes, but sometimes uh, our friend Brandon takes a shirt off and uh, just does the show that way. So you should definitely check it out. I think you got stuck to the seat last time. It's possible. So that was that was a time. Yeah. So anyway, check out our show. We would love that. The HP podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.